Just another quick sort of family note uh, before we move into the message for this morning. Got a text from Jane Foken yesterday, and then also a WhatsApp from uh, John and Bev Atkins. We sent a team of, I think, 20, uh, I don't know, half of them from our church, half of them from a bunch of other churches, to Roatan on a missions trip. Three-fourths of them actually got there. No, one-fourth of them actually got there. (laughs) Uh, There's a small contingent uh, worshiping the Lord this morning in Atlanta. Uh, didn't quite make it because of weather. They're flying out to Houston tomorrow, and then I'll be to Rotan by, um, I don't know, sometime next month. It's a joke. It's a scene if you're listening. Uh, so anyway, pray for that team to Rotan, that you know, beginning of a trip and uh, a few missteps. So just pray that God will bless them. I think they're probably worshiping and praising God in Atlanta. So it's all going to be great. Um, I'm excited about t- today for lots of reasons. One, it's Pentecost Sunday, the, when we remember the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty cool. Um, another unique thing about this morning is that I'm going to talk uh, just a few minutes. I guess that's unique, right? I'll just talk for a few minutes. And then I get to introduce Jacqueline Furness uh, to come and finish the message. And uh, I'm really excited. I love to hear Jacqueline speak. So um, I'm going to be sort of an intro for her and then hand it off to her. So a question for you this morning, and this is not for the purpose of shaming, all right? I want you to think, what am I devoted to? What are you devoted to? Sometimes people will say, what are you devoted to? And then they'll turn around and shame you. Why don't you love Jesus that much? I'm not going to do that, all right? Think, what are you devoted to? Um, are you devoted to a sports team? Are you devoted to a particular sport or an art? I will confess I am devoted to books. I love books. I love all manner of books. I read a lot. I probably read too much. In fact, I really don't go anywhere without a book. I just don't like to be without. So what are you devoted to? Think about it for a minute. You don't have to shout it out. There's a woman in our church, Beth. Is Beth Trevino here? Beth. Beth was somewhere. Okay. She's devoted to crafts, and I think it's really cool. And she came up to me at the, at the picnic last week. She's got a necklace. She said, do you know what this is? And I'm like, uh, it's a necklace. It's made out of bulletins from the church. She's like, this was Romans, and this was attributes of God. I'm like, that's cool. One, that's devotion, right? It's beautiful, made out of church bulletins, yeah. What are you devoted to? And and think about it. What does your devotion look like? Devotion takes time, right? Your mind is on that. It might be your job, your vocation. It might be a hobby. It might be a person or a number of people, a group of people, whatever. But um, devotion looks like something practically. And this morning we're going to look briefly at what it is that the early church was devoted to after the coming of the Holy Spirit. So a little bit of background before we read from Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. So if you have a Bible, open it. If it's on your phone, in your brain, wherever, open your Bible. It'll also be on the screen. But I want you to see this text this morning. A little bit of background to Acts 2. The Holy Spirit had been promised to the church. And the the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, the beginning, I read it at the beginning of the service, the Holy Spirit had come. So all through the Old Testament, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Joel, you get this promise, the Holy Spirit's coming. The Holy Spirit's coming. God won't just be on you for a time. God will be in you by the Holy Spirit. And by Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47, the promise had come. The Holy Spirit had come. The promised Spirit was present. And now for the church, 
It was time for them to live in that promise, the reality of the Holy Spirit, and to live out that promise. Beth, I just said really nice things about you. I just want to let everyone know that's Beth there. Yeah. Your sweet necklace is what I talked about. Yeah. Okay. For sale in the lobby afterwards. So now it was time to live in the promise of that the Holy Spirit was present and also to live it out. In other words, to go from the promised Holy Spirit, the, the release of that spirit, and then live it out in the world. And this is what it looked like. And this is our scripture for this morning. Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. This is the word of the Lord. And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, this is my favorite part. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is a picture of after the Holy Spirit came. This wasn't precursor. They didn't do all this stuff in order to woo the Holy Spirit. This was the result of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the people of God. And it was devotion. Devotion to four specific things. Devotion, the word just means this, to adhere to one thing or person, be devoted or constant to one, to be steadfastly attentive to, to give unremitting care to a thing, that's devotion, to continue all the time in a place, to persevere and not faint, to show oneself courageous for, that's devotion, to be in constant readiness for or wait on constantly. And the believers, the scripture said, were devoted specifically to these four things. Number one, to teaching. Very simple. They were devoted to hearing the word of God. They were devoted to their own understanding, developing in their understanding of what at that point would be the Torah. I mean, they're reading the Old Testament scriptures. They're hearing them in the temple. They're, they're hearing of the Psalms of, of David, right? I mean, the Psalms were the prayer book of the early church. So they're devoted to the teaching in the temple on a weekly basis, but also to the learning of whatever they could in in the context of their community. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what it is that the people speaking for God were saying. And their devotion meant not just understanding, but the implications of that understanding. They were learning how. They were practicing living that out. So they were devoted to teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. If you've heard the word koinonia, that's the Greek word for fellowship. And it just means our common life together. It doesn't just mean coffee and cozy. It means our common life together. They were devoted to fellowship, which in the context of the early church meant everything that we have, we share with one another. Our problems, our issues, our resources, our emotional connection our spiritual gifts. Koinonia was not just a a meal in the church with coffee and punch. 
Koinonia or fellowship was a commitment to common life. I mean, really, life together. To share life, including care and practical provision. They were devoted to teaching and to fellowship and to meals. Some uh, translations just say the breaking of bread, which is a meal. And also the Lord's Supper. So they were committed or devoted to continually doing what? Eating with each other. This is a huge spiritual practice. Eating together. They were committed to it. Want to come over to my house for dinner. That, that's what it was. They were devoted to this. In the same way they were devoted to scriptural teaching and to sharing common life, they were devoted to breaking bread together and remembering on a weekly basis, maybe a daily basis, we don't know, the Lord's Supper, what we just did. They were gathered in the temple at least weekly and gathered in their homes, the scripture says, daily. In other words, they were committed to being the church gathered and they were committed to being the church scattered. And then finally, four, uh, it says they committed themselves to prayer. In the Greek, I'm just going to tell you this, it's plural. It's the prayers. And so uh, even though I have three points here that I'll start with F, I won't preach about it. I will just say this. When they committed themselves to prayer, there most likely was a form to their prayer. They had set prayers. They were praying the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, right? They did that every day. They were praying the Lord's Prayer that Jesus had given them. They were probably praying prayers from the Psalms. So their prayer had a form. It also had a format. When they came together, there was a plan for prayer. Sometimes we think all these prayer meetings were just spontaneous. No, they made a plan. There was a form. There was a format. And I had to get in another F, so they did it in fellowship. They prayed together. A a devotion to prayer after the coming of the Holy Spirit was not just me and Jesus. It was a commitment to gathering with other people who believed and in the fellowship of believers coming into the presence of God and beseeching the Lord to do all that God wanted to do. That's what their prayer looked like. So the natural and the supernatural response of the followers of Jesus to the outpouring of of the Holy Spirit was devotion to teaching, to um, common life, to breaking bread, and to prayer. So how did they do these things? The scripture tells us that too, because it describes their attitude in the midst of this devotion, and it describes their actions. They sold things. A part of their devotion was, I got a thing, I don't need this thing, or maybe I don't really need this thing, I'll sell it and give the money to you because you have need. That was a practical outworking of the Holy Spirit in the early church. They worshipped in some way and in some place daily. That's what the Bible says. I'm not saying it's a church service every day, but every day in some way they directed their hearts to God in worship. And they shared this life, including meals, the Bible says, with great joy and generosity. Their time together was characterized by the the choice of joy. And um, it looked like from the outside and the inside, generosity. No one said, I'm hanging on to what I've got. Everything was shared. What was the result of this devotion? In other words, what was God doing while the believers, in response to the giving of the Holy Spirit, were devoted to these things? 
at least two things we see God was doing. Acts 2, 46, 47. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So God, in the midst of this devotion of the people, was granting favor to the people, goodwill among people. There was a sense of community. Even unbelievers were looking and saying, wow, they're weird, but they're cool. They're amazing. There's power in their midst. They probably were saying they were weird, right? But they're cool because look at the way they care for each other. What else is God doing in the midst of this? God is adding daily to their number. God's saving people. It actually doesn't say they were witnessing. Just pointing that out. I'm not saying they didn't witness. I'm just saying the Bible doesn't say they were devoted to evangelism. They were devoted to teaching, fellowship, prayer, and whatever else I said. (laughs) The fourth thing, right? And what was God doing? God was adding to their number. In the midst of their commitment and devotion to these things, in response to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God did all the heavy lifting. God was bringing people into the fold. So here's what I want you to do, real practical, and then my part will be done. Pull out your journal, your bulletin, your phone, your hand, whatever. Get a pen. Okay, this is is practical. I want you to pick up a pen or a phone. Got it? Pick it up, get it out, something to write on. I want you to write uh, down this question on your whatever media you have. God, what does my summer of devotion look like? God, what does my summer of devotion look like? And then I want want you to write these four uh, words or phrases underneath that question. Teaching, common life, meals, and prayer. Because the, uh, our response to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit need not be any different than the response of the, oily, of the early church. The oily church, I said. It's kind of funny. We're going to be just like the oily church. The oil of the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. <laughs> And I just want you to take, I'm, I'm asking you to take 10 or 15 minutes today sometime, not tomorrow, today sometime between now and midnight, and come before God who promises that his, his sheep can hear his voice and say, Lord, what is my summer of devotion to look like, to meant to look like? And I just want you to write down a few things. How will I devote myself to the apostles' teaching? How will I get fed and study? How will I devote myself to common life with others, sharing, etc.? How will I devote myself to meals together? Who do I want to have over? Who do I want to take out? And how will I devote myself to prayer this summer? This does not have to be grand and glorious, world-changing, because if each of us does the little part that the Lord said, guess what? It will be grand and glorious and world-changing because the people of God will be cooperating with the heart of God. And then the Spirit of God is going to do all the work. So that's my request for you. And uh, just to ask the Lord, what does that look like for you? And if you want to do smart, right? What are those? Uh, I can't remember what's smart. Specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, 
and timely, okay? Not just pray more. That won't happen. And then do it, all right? So close your eyes. I'm going to commission you. Ready? And then I'm going to ask Jacqueline to come up. As your spiritual leader, as your pastor, this morning, I commission you into a summer of devotion. And I release you and ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit upon you, Indie Vineyard Church, to learn together, to live a common life together this summer, to eat together with joy and generosity, and to pray together. I release you to be the church gathered and scattered. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now, I'm, Jacqueline, you want to come forward? Just another little add-on here. The Holy Spirit came in response to a prayer meeting. The Holy Spirit showed up in a prayer meeting, Acts 2. They were all gathered together at the place of prayer, right? And then after the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit empowered his people to basically have a continual, you got it, prayer meeting, right? It's the way we communicate with God. So I'm going to ask uh, Jacqueline to take the rest of our time and just to do what Jacqueline does. Um, Before that, I want to say one nice thing about Jacqueline. Just one. Um, I've said it before, but I love the opportunity to say it. Jacqueline is, for me, my most faithful ministry partner, other than my wife, Jane, my most faithful ministry partner in all of my ministry in life. There's no one who's been for me as much, with me as much, guards the secrets of my heart, speaks the words of God into me, and many times back to me, right? She knows my prophetic words better than I do, and she holds them with me. So I just want to say thank you, and I love you. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk about prayer. So I'm going to do all the practical things first because what the Lord said is don't talk about prayer, but let's experience prayer. And so I'm going to just lead you through three three applications, three experiences. But before I do that, this is important to me. I always feel like I have to be a little bit honest, just a little bit, in that I have an agenda. So know that I do, know that I am praying diligently, and God does answer all my prayers. So I give you permission to say, please, God, do not answer that prayer, because my prayer is every single one of you step into this summer into a place of community prayer in this body. So I know all of you guys have probably, and I know some really powerful places that you've you're connected to and you pray and you experience God and amazing things are happening, I want you to take a minute to come into this body in this season. And that's why you have a little prayer sheet that gives you lots of options. This ends, this particular rhythm of prayer ends for us at the end of July. So it's not a long, but I am telling you, Something is happening powerful in our church, and I don't want you to miss it. I want you not only not to miss it for yourself, but I want you to take the part that you're carrying and give it away to the people in this church. So there's, there is not a place that someone can't step into, regardless of your circumstances. And if there is, 
I want you to know that I will be at the table, and if there is a thing that you need, believe me, I know God can create it. And so I will be happy to partner with God to say, you need a midnight prayer experience. There are people with you. Not me, but there are people with you. So just, I just want you to know because it's so valuable right now. There's a couple things that are not on this sheet, and I want you to be able to write them down. One of them is there is a group of people who, on the fourth Saturday from 12 to 2, go out and pray for the community. And so if that's something that just is on your heart to see God impact our community, they're your people, and it'll be on the website. There's also, because of the prayer rhythms that we do of three months at a time, August is our time where we shift. And we're going to do, for the first time, a 24-5-day prayer room. And so you'll hear more about that. The other thing, because we won't have time to do it at the end, is, you know, I'm hoping and expecting to God to speak to you today. And if what the Lord says is, or you feel, personally, I'm just not equipped to do all this. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I want more than what I'm sitting in right now. I'm going to encourage you to, one, take the healing room training. It does not obligate you to be part of the healing room, but it's going to equip you to give you understanding how to powerfully pray for other people in any circumstances of their life. So if you feel like, oh, I just need some tools, They're going to provide tools. If you feel stuck in some way or you've never really walked in understanding of the prophetic, I'm going to encourage you to do the divine inspiration. Scott McRoy, it is an experience of being able to unlock your imagination, to be able to walk in kind of a sensory experience with the Holy Spirit. And so if that feels like, I just haven't stepped into that yet, I'm going to encourage all of you to do it. When I took it, it gave me the courage to be able to do the personal prophetic art, which if anyone has received that from me knows that I am not an artist. But God loves to expand all of the ways that we connect to him and that we connect to each other. So on that note... We get to start. I am, um, in this particular moment, I want to invite you into my role as watchman on the wall. So part of being on the permanent, being over prayer, is I'm a watchman for this body. So I get to watch what God is doing. I get to see it, and my hope is I'm inviting you in to not do more than God, but to be part of what God's doing here. And in that, we have, and Randy reminded me of this, we view prayer as the very essence of air. So it's not the foundation that we live on. We don't just do it as an event. We don't do it as an experience. We breathe the presence of God, the invitation of what God's doing. 
And we position ourselves in this church to be able to be responsive of every season of what God is saying and doing. And so with that context, we're going to start our first. i got to say this one other thing. So I wanted to give you this amazing history of prayer in this church because we are here because of what we've experienced and built. And then I decided Randy could do that in the DNA class. That will happen in the fall. So I wanted to go. There is so much in all of this. But we're going to start because I want you to experience a little bit about how we start from one place and we end in a, in a community of prayer. So the very first one, and so all of you get to participate. Everyone gets to play. I want to give you permission to say, I don't want to play. I want to observe. And that is great. I want observers, and I want players. So whatever camp you're in, you're in this moment. And the very first thing, what I would like you to do, and just in a position of your hands out, because that just helps us to be in a receiving position, we're just, I'm going to pray, and I want you to just listen to what the Lord says. So Holy Spirit, show me the lens I see prayer through. Give you a minute or seconds to get a picture of that. And if if you have a lens, even in the best lens. I want you to, in your mind, kind of follow my words. Repeat after me. I repent for filtering relationships through this lens. For viewing others through them. And making judgments that are false. I hand you every false judgment that I have made and filtering it through those wounds. And I forgive myself for deceiving, for being deceived by wearing these lenses. Now take off the colored lenses. You can just kind of, you know, do a prophetic act. And then ask God, what do you have for me in exchange? And as the Lord, may he done speaking or is continually speaking to you, I want to point out a couple things that are important. This is very significant for our own personal growth. When we ask God something, 
we can trust that he is going to give us something. He may not give you the answer to your prayer, but he's going to give you his presence. If any way that this, that you felt stuck or overwhelmed or triggered in any way, come and see me in the lobby. I have a plan for you. But more importantly, what I want to point out, and this is really significant, did you notice that there was a part of you that wanted to be able to turn around and say, this is what God gave me? Because we're built to connect with another person with the goodness of God. And so as important as individual prayer is, it stays within us. It changes us dramatically, but we get to step into more, and more is more people. And so now I want to take and have you find one other person. So find a partner. You have to do it quick. And I want you to the very, and this is a point where if you're an observer, This is your power moment to say, I'm just observing. Find another person. (laughs) Be bold. Once you have your person, what I would like you to do if you're able, to look that person in the eyes, give you a little hint, left eye to left eye is the most powerful. And I want you to say to them, I declare God's love and blessings on you. And the other person do the same. Yeah, one at a time. It's hard to do it both and be a receiver and a giver at the same time. which probably is a good reminder for us all in prayer, is you can't be a giver and a receiver at the exact same time. So what I want you to feel is when you are able to say something to another person, could you feel the atmosphere around you? It just increased. You went from just what God was doing within you and the the vibration, the hum, the energy that that created, to ah to another person declaring a truth about God into your life just adds another connection. It connected you to another person. It connected both of you to God, and it changed even more and shifted more the atmosphere around us. Okay. Third one. Now you need to get into a group of three to four people. And you're going to stay this way um, through ministry time. So once you get in your group, you'll stay in your group if that helps you at all. And again, powerful people can say, I'm just an observer. I want to play. So once you're in your group.
Got it? Okay, you need to pick one person. And that person is going to express a need. And that need is, I want more love or I want more power. What is God asking in this season of your life? What do you need more of? And then once that person designated, then, then have them ask you, would you please pray for more love or would you please pray for more power? And what I want is, as you're praying, I want you to pray two ways. One of them is, I want you to pray for that need. And then the second, I want you to ask God, is there more for them? And ask for permission to, re- to give if there's more. So if you got a prophetic word, you got a sense that there's more about love, more about power, then give, ask permission, can I share that with you? with you, and then share that as well. And as you're finishing up, I want to say a few more things, and then we're going to go into ministry time. Do you notice that when you're in a small group of people, that you are, and you express a need, you are seen, and you're known, and you're loved. And when someone and and people are seen, known, and loved, then they have capacity to steward more. And to be able to carry more of other people's burdens. So I just want to encourage you that the energy changes the more we gather onto his name. So what do I want you to be, total agenda, what do I want you to be devoted towards this summer? Prayer. Because it moves our own lives forward and it gives us the capacity to move other people forward. So I'm going to have Lynn, if she could, to come up. We're going to just do some time of ministry. You're going to stay in your own group because you each get a chance to ask your group, this is what I need.
I need more love or I need more power. And I want to explain something. Lynn doesn't come up every, every Sunday for ministry time because we can't figure out how to use her in worship or to fill space. There is a strategic and significant thing that happens when people use their gifts for the body. And one of the gifts that Lynn has is she has a phenomenal ability to shift atmospheres. So when you're in prayer, whether you're getting prayer in your seat or you're coming up to the front, it's easier for you as a person who prays and as a receiver because Lynn is doing her work and she is shifting an atmosphere and she's also helping you hold space so that the work of God can happen. So I just want any time you can say thank you, Lynn, because life and ministry time is easier because you're willing to offer your gifting and your talent to this time in our church. So if you will just take this time, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I want you to stand. You're able. Observers get to do anything they want. And I want you to just be able to collect in your group because there is something about when you're standing and you're receiving that they're just that position allows us to be able to receive even more from God. And so I'm going to just ask if you all can stay in your group and let the full team of your people be able to receive prayer for one of those two things.
you to feel so fully comfortable to be able to not only in your prayer group ask for that power or love, but any needs that you may have. And then I encourage you, I will be at a table if there is any anything I can do to serve you in connecting you with a prayer ministry opportunity. I would love to do that. And then Ron and Patty will be out to being able to um, sign you up to become part of the healing training, healing room training. And on this note, Lord, I just pray that love and power is filling this room, that we, you are equipping us with being overabundant with love and power, and we now commission you to, to give it out to the world. Release it, Lord, in the way that you want to release it. In your name, Jesus.